0: Chapter 11 of Hindu Tales or the Adventures of Ten Princes by Danton. Translated by T. W. Jacob. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Siddharth. Chapter 11 Adventures of Mantra Gupta. My Lord, I also, in my anxiety to find you, wandered about like the others. Late one evening I came to a wood, a few miles from the city of Kalinga, and very near. public cemetery. Seeing no one dwelling near, I made myself a bed of leaves and lay down under a last tree where I was soon asleep. About midnight, when evil spirits are wont to roam and everything was quiet around me, I awoke and fancied I had heard a whispering conversation going on among the branches of the tree immediately above me. Listening very attentively, I was able to distinguish these voices. We are powerless to resist that wild Siddha whenever he chooses to command us. Could not some person be found powerful enough to counteract the designs of that vile magician? After this, the voices ceased, and I thought I could hear a rustling among the branches, as if the speakers were moving from tree to tree this strange occurrence greatly excited my curiosity i said to myself who are these creatures whose voice i have heard who can the magician be and what dreadful thing is it which he is about to do with these thoughts i determined if possible to discover the mystery and followed as well as i was able the direction which the demons or whatever they were whom i had heard conversing had taken guided by the rustling sound which i had still heard about me i made my way through the darkness till at last i thought i saw a light in the distance and going a little further i perceived a fire shining through the thick foliage approaching very cautiously i saw a siddha standing near it his head covered with a large mass of tangled hair his body begrimed with the dust of charcoal and a girdle of human bones Round his face, he was throwing at intervals handfuls of sesame and mustard seed into the fire, causing flickering flames to rise up and dispel the surrounding darkness. Before him, in humble attitude, stood two Rakshas, male and female, whom I supposed to be those whose voices I had heard in the tree. They said to him, "We await your commands. What are we to do now?" "Go," he answered in a stern voice immediately to the palace of the king of Kalinga, and bring here his daughter Kanakale Kha. This they did in an incredibly short time. As soon as she was brought, he seized her by the hair, and disregarding her tears and entreaties and screams for help, was about to cut off her head with a sword. Meanwhile I had cautiously crept nearer, and perceiving the danger of the princess, I made a sudden rush at him snatched the sword from his hand and cut off his head seeing this the two rakshasas approached me and showing great delight at the death of their cruel master said to me that wicked man has for a long time had power over us we have continually been compelled to go on his wild errands and have had no rest of night or day you have done a truly good deed in killing him your valor has freed us from the slavery he is gone to the kingdom of Yama." that he will receive the reward of his evil deeds. And we are ready to serve you. Say only what is to be done. But I thanked them for their grateful offer and said, I have only done what every good man would have done under the circumstances. But if you are willing to serve me, all that I require of you is to carry this lady again to her father's house, from which she was so cruelly taken. The princess, hearing this, stood for a moment, irresolute with her head bent down, her eyes half closed, her eyebrows quivering, her bosom agitated by the hurried breathing and wetted by the tears of joy, restlessly moving one foot as if scratching the ground, and betraying the struggle between bashfulness and love were alternate blushes and paleness. Then in a low, sweet, gentle voice she uttered these words, O oh, gracious sir! Why do you, having just delivered me from a terrible death, now overwhelm me in a sea of love, whose waves are the agitations of anxiety driven by the wind of passion? My life, saved by you, is entirely at your disposal. Take pity on me, regard me as your own. Let me be your servant, your slave. I will endure anything rather than separation from you. Come with me to my father's palace. You need not fear discovery all my friends in attendance are faithful and devoted to me they will carefully keep the secret pierced to the heart by the arrows of Kama, tied and bound by her looks and words as if with chains of iron i had no power to refuse and turning to the two rakshasas i said i have no choice here whatever this fair lady commands must be done take us both therefore to the place from which you have brought her Bowing down in submission. They lifted us from the ground, carried us through the air, and placed us, where it was yet night, in the apartments of the Princess. There she introduced me to her attendants, assigned me a room in the upper storey where I might most easily escape detection, and appointed them to keep watch so that no one might enter her apartments without notice. I had thus abundant opportunities of being with the Princess. But Though my love daily increased, I made no further advances to her. One day some of her women came with tears in their eye, and bowing down to my feet said, with whispering timid voice, O gracious sir, our lady is doubly yours. Since she was gained by your own valour, when you rescued her from death, and is assigned to you by the all-powerful God of love, do not let her languish in vain. Make her your wife without delay with this request i could not refuse to comply in taking the hand of the princess i declared our solemn union for a long time we enjoyed the greatest happiness it was destined however to be of no long duration our separation was at hand for now was the time of spring when the trees were covered with blossoms bent down by the eager bees and the song of birds was resounding among their branches waved by the soft south wind bearing perfume from the sandal groves of malia at which season the king was accustomed to go with all his court to the seashore and there in tents under the shade of lofty trees to enjoy the cool sea breeze my bride, of course went with the rest and as there was no possibility of concealing me in such a place i was obliged though reluctantly to let her depart alone consoling myself while looking forward to her return, the royal party had not been long gone when news was brought to the city that the king and all his court, thinking only of enjoyment and unsuspicious of danger, had been captured by Jaisinhah, king of Andhra, who, sailing with large fleet, had suddenly landed and taken them by surprise. This news caused me the greatest consternation. Jasinha, I thought will certainly be captivated by the beauty of the princess she will take poison rather than some bit, to his embraces and i could not long survive her for how could i live without her while perplexed with this thought and not knowing what to do i heard of a brahmin just arrived from andhra who was full of a strange event which had lately happened there the king of andhra he said has long been a bitter enemy of the king of kalinga in having taken him prisoner was about to kill him but he has fallen in love with the princess kanakalekha and wishing to marry her not only spares her father's life but treats him with kindness for her sake an unexpected obstacle to the accomplishment of his wishes was however arisen the lady has suddenly become possessed by an evil spirit whose rage is greatest whenever the king visits her anxious for her recovery he has offered a last reward to anyone who shall succeed in driving out the demon but as yet no one has been able to effect her cure this information filled me with hope for i was well aware of the nature of the prince's disease and knew that no one but myself could cure it i was able therefore to form a plan for her deliverance and quickly decided on the disguise to be adopted at the time when i killed the magician I had taken off his scalp with all the mass of tangled hair and had it hid in a hollow tree. I now went to the place and, taking out his scalp, fitted it on my own head, then rubbing over my whole body with dirt and charcoal dust. And dressing myself in old rags, I was completely disguised as an ascetic, and when I went into the neighboring villages, I was regarded as a very holy devotee and had many applications from persons wishing for advice or seeking to be cured of diseases this belief i encouraged to the utmost and took care to keep up my credit by means of various tricks and contrivances in this manner i was soon able to collect a number of disciples glad to live in idleness on the offerings continually brought to me fully believing in my sanctity entirely devoted to me and ready to obey all my commands. Having got together this troop of followers, I went to the side of a tank, or small lake not far from the city of Andhra, built myself a hut, and made known that I intended to stay there for a time. The news of my arrival was soon spread aboard my disciples, who were loud in their praises of my miraculous powers, and the wonderful cures which I had effected and the great numbers of people which came from the city to see me, either from curiosity or from the hope of receiving some benefit. In a very short time, wonderful stories about me were brought to the Raja. There is now a very holy devotee sleeping on the ground near the lake. He is possessed of the most marvellous knowledge. There is no question which he cannot answer, no difficulty which he cannot solve. His powers of healing are beyond belief. A few grains of dust fallen from his feet when sprinkled on the head of the sick are more efficacious than any medicine and water in which his feet have been washed has cured in a moment diseases and driven out evil spirits which have resisted for a long time all the efforts of physicians and exorcists yet with all this he is exceedingly kind and condescending and free from pride the king hearing all this thought this is just the person i am in need of no doubt he will be able to cure the princess he therefore determined to apply to me but so great was his respect for my dignity and supernatural powers that he did not venture to send for me but came several times to see me disturbing each time money among my followers before mentioning his request that i would drive out the evil spirit from the princess after hearing his statement i looked very grave and appeared for some time to be wrapped in profound meditation at last i said sir you have done very right to apply to me i will undertake that the lady shall be cured but it would be useless to me to see her at present the case is a very peculiar one and the cure requires much thought and consideration wait therefore for three days then come again and i will tell you what is to be done on receiving this answer the king went away very well satisfied That night, as soon as it was dark, telling my followers, on no account to disturb me, I went, as if for private meditation, to one side of the tank, at some distance from the steps, and there dug a large hole in the bank, sloping upwards, with the opening partly under water and concealed by loose stones above, taking care to throw the excavated earth into the tank. On the third day, at dawn, I rearranged my dress as before, and, having worshipped, the all-seeing sun, as he rose, returned to my followers. I had not long been settled in my usual place when the king made his appearance, and bowing down to my feet he awaited my pleasure. Having kept him a short time in surprise, I thus addressed him. Success does not come to the careless, but all advantages are attainable by the energetic. Being devoted to your service, I have given my whole mind to the consideration of this difficult affair and can now point out a certain way to success. The evil spirit by whom the princess is possessed cannot bear the sight of you in your present form and therefore breaks out into fury when you appear. If your body can be changed, he will no longer be offended and will immediately depart. There is no other way by which he can be driven out. I have therefore so prepared this lake that if you bathe in it in accordance with my directions, you will acquire a new and beautiful body acceptable to the lady, and she will no more be troubled with the evil spirit. You must therefore come here at midnight, and having stripped entirely, swim out into the middle of the tank, and there float on your back as long as possible. Presently, a rushing noise will be heard, and the water will be troubled, and dash against the bank. As soon as the commotion has subsided, come forth, and you will find that your body has become younger, stronger, and improved in every respect. And when you return to the palace, there will be no further difficulty or obstacle on the part of the princess, who will immediately undergo a change in her feelings, and will long for your society as much as she now abhors it. All this is quite certain. You need not have the smallest doubt. But if you think proper, before deciding, consult your ministers, and be guided by that advice. If they consent, first worship the gods and propitiate them with offerings, make last donations to the Romans and the poor, and come here tonight at the appointed time, that there may be no danger from alligators or concealed enemies. Let the tank be thoroughly tracked with nets by a hundred fishermen and place a line of soldiers all around it with torches in their hands, a few steps from water. With these precautions, no possible harm can happen to you." The enamored king, very anxious for the expulsion of the supposed demon, and fully believing that I had the power to perform what I had promised, went away well pleased, and immediately consulted his ministers, they saying how eager he was in not anticipating any possibility of danger readily approved of the proceeding. Having obtained their consent, the king returned to me, and finding that I was about to depart, earnestly entreated me to stay, saying that half the pleasure of success would be taken away if I were not there to witness it. But I answered that, that they were urgent reasons for my immediate departure, and that I had already remained longer than I had intended to do, solely on his account. I assured him that I had so prepared everything that my presence was now quite unnecessary, that I was about to disappear from the world, and that he would see me no more. Finding me quite determined, he took leave of me with many expressions of respect, and went back to his palace to give orders for the performance of all that I had directed. Accordingly, a large number of fishermen with nets were engaged, by whom the lake was thoroughly slowly and large donations were made to the Brahmins and the poor. Towards evening the soldiers with torches and were placed all round the tank, and at midnight the king, attended by a numerous retinue and followed by a great crowd, anxious to witness the expected miracle, came to the steps leading down to the water, and having undressed there in a tent which had been pitched for that purpose, plunged in and swam out to the middle meanwhile i had said to my followers i have no further need of you i am about to retire to a lonely place to practice meditation you may now leave me go and my blessings be upon you well satisfied with the gifts they had received they departed and when they were gone i stepped unobserved into the lake and entered the hole which i had prepared there i remained till i heard the noise of the crowd who came with the king and perceived him floating on the surface. Diving cautiously under him, I pulled him down, strangled him, dragged the body into the hole. Then, swimming to the steps, I boldly came forth to the astonishment of the attendants, who, though they had expected a miracle, were scarcely prepared for such a great change. No one, however, doubted that I was really their sovereign, and having dressed and mounted an elephant. I entered the city, escorted by the soldiers, and followed a great crowd of people, who had come forth from curiosity, and were loud in their praises of the fierce man who had wrought such a miracle. That night I was unable to sleep. In the morning I summoned all the ministers and councillors and said, Behold the power of piety and penance! That holy man has performed a great miracle, and bestowed on me this new body, which you see by means of the tank which has which he has consecrated and through the favor of the gods whom he had long propitiated after such a manifestation who shall doubt their power let the faces of all unbelievers be bowed down in shame let a great solemn festival be made with song and dance in honor of rama shiva yama and the other deities the rulers of the world and distribute much money among the poor this speech was received with great approbation, and all congratulating me and praising the gods performed the duties imposed upon them. After this I went to the woman's apartment, and there the first person whom I met was a very devoted servant of the princess, who had been especially attentive to me. She not imagining what had occurred, would have let me pass without especial notice, but I called her and said, Have you never seen me before? Then indeed she opened her eyes. Wide with joy and astonishment and saying can it be possible is not this a delusion tell me what it all means i gave her a brief account of what happened and sent her to prepare my wife how glad she was to see me you may well imagine so well did we manage that the secret was kept no suspicion even arose and all of the people were rejoiced at the favourable change not only in the person but in the temper and disposition of their sovereign. In due time I was publicly married to the princess and reinstated her father in his kingdom. I have now come here with an army to assist the king of Anga and thus obtained the great happiness of seeing you again. The prince, having heard the story, said, Your cleverness has indeed been great and your personation of the Siddha wonderful. May you long continue to possess such wisdom and prudence combined with wit and cheerfulness then looking at visruta he said it is now your turn and forthwith began end of chapter eleven